0: Australia in four, the United States in five. Off,
1: Mackenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in sixth, into the yellow line, Henry. We start, mules got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce, was short of Germany,
0: was away well. They'll
1: go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer, in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Emanja.
0: What a shot! Peterson stamps her authority on another 200 press goal. Now Henry is starting to come out. Jodie Henry of Australia shading Jenny Thompson, has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956, Henry's
2: moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last league.
1: Jodie Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be a yes! victory. <laughs> Shannon Rollison podcast for another week. Uh, We are joined by a very, very special guest today. I'm your host, Robbie Cox, and we're also uh, joined Shannon Rollison, the host uh, and the, uh, you know, the man who's Shannon. What did I say? Two or three weeks spent at number one on the podcast charts. Also number one in the UK last week for uh for swimming podcast charts, shannon's never heard that before he's getting a good chuckle out of that so with shannon rollison but mate I, as usual when we have a special guest i'm going to drop out of this people don't want to hear from me anymore they want to hear from you and our very special guest so i'll let you do the introductions thanks robbie yeah i've got a special guest tonight um
0: two-time olympian two-time world championship Uh, swimmer and two-time commonwealth games my very privilege to uh, welcome a good friend of mine and someone i coach for a long time miss tani white as her her, uh kids at school know her is mrs southwell would that be right yeah
2: yeah mrs southwell (laughs) Ah. Southwell? yes (laughs) (laughs) how you been yeah really good thanks yeah um yeah, going really well and, and busy with the young family and, and work and, um, and all that. But, yeah, it's good. Life's good.
0: Uh, excellent. Good to hear. And the kids, uh, what, are they into sport these days?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I have a son, um, Finn. He's 10. He's very um, into sport but loves running and athletics and, and soccer. So he's a bit more of a land animal. Ah. And, um, but Willow loves, Willow's, uh, seven and she, she loves the pool and loves swimming and, um, you know, she's doing gymnastics and dance and she's strong. Like she's, she's probably more of my sort of.
0: <laughs> well, her mother was very strong. Yeah, so, uh... yeah.
2: She's, she's got amazing upper body strength and, um, she's really strong. So, yeah, it's, it's lovely. It's really interesting. I don't necessarily want them to, um, to be swimmers or get into sport if that's not what they're into. But it's really nice being along for the journey and seeing where they go. And, um, you know, they don't really like to take advice from their mum. They don't think I know anything about sport. <laughs> I'm sure you experienced that too. Yeah. yeah. Know, mum? But, um, but yeah, it's nice being along for the journey. It's awesome.
0: And Ben was a rower. So there was another water
2: yeah. you run or anything like that. I think he was—he did a lot of sports when he was younger, and um, one of those annoying people that's quite good at um, a number of sports and anything they do still. Um, and then he was talent. I in high school to do to do rowing, so that's how he got into rowing. And then, um, yeah, of course, we met when we were at the AIS. So yeah, yeah, and the rest is history.
0: And we first met what 1996? Do you remember that? Yes. The tri-series team. The, yes. The, the only Australian age team you could make back then. Oh,
2: uh, yes. 1996. Yeah. That was
0: a team. That had yeah. so many good athletes yeah. in it, didn't it?
2: Yeah. I know. It's funny looking back at the team photos from those trips and yeah, seeing how many of those young athletes on that junior team progressed to, to go on and do great things.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Grant Hackett was on it. and uh,
2: Yeah. I know. Yeah. I think you know, more opportunity probably now for the junior swimmers, would you say? But I think, Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, certainly a big stepping stone for me as a youngster coming through my swimming career for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. I certainly think it was, um, was much more of a thing because you, know, you could only make one Australian youth team. Um, yeah. And that was generally that, whereas now I think they have world juniors, they have... Yeah. Oh, you could make Commonwealth Games juniors, but they were probably only Commonwealth Games youth every four years. That was
2: yeah. I, I, I never two thousand. No.
0: Yeah, in the nineties, it was definitely I think just that tri series yeah. with Japan and New yeah. Zealand and Australia.
2: Yeah, so. which was great, and you, you would have been so young then. Yeah. Yeah. So I was early twenties.
0: Twenty four. Yeah, that's insane. So yeah, ninety. Uh, ninety six. Yeah, I would have been there, yeah, 24 turning 25, depending on yeah. when it was. But oh, I would have been early, just off the age nationals, wouldn't it? So I would have been 24, yeah. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, and back then, so now Tana, if I've got this correct, um, you've got, uh, is it two coaches, Ken and myself? Yeah. That yeah. was it, yeah? i
2: was and, it.
0: And, and back then, that was, uh, you started with me in January of 03. I, yeah. I can remember the phone call. Yes.
2: Uh, yes. I,
0: I was uh, at, Ro- at my house in Rochdale. And um, I'd previously had, you know, I've always had sort of had a breaststroker here or there. And um, when uh, a breaststroker left me, I think it must have been like 2000 or something like that, 2001. And I went, I'm never coaching a breaststroker again. I've had yeah. it, <laughs> and then they're hard
2: work.
0: Yeah, they are. It's a different <laughs> sport, um, but uh, I'm glad uh, I didn't stick to my word, and uh, we had some great times. Yeah, um, and and since then I've had always had a breaststroker in my stable. So uh, the um, so I just wanted to touch on you know so you, you swam Ken. with Ken and um, uh, I think. From memory, just from one of your stories, you were about 10. Would you have been 10 when you were with Ken or even earlier?
2: Um, well, it's funny. You know, I mean, I was a part of that club from, you know, learn to swim all the way through and just very following. Yeah, a very clear for It, it was FAI St. Bernadette's and then oh, yeah, we had yeah, a few yeah, name yeah. changes over the years. But so I, I trained with um, Mary Wood in the junior squad and then, you yeah. um, You know, I was just reflecting on it recently and Ken pulled a group of us together and he had this sort of special little junior squad that we trained together with him and, um, yeah, he just had these ways of sort of um, creating these little special elite groups or um, squads or making uh, young athletes feel like they had an opportunity or um, within what was quite a big club. So... Um, yeah, that certainly would have been, and we were just so competitive. There was only about 10 of us and, you know, there was a formal letter that went home to say you've been, you know, accepted into this little squad. And, <laughs> you know, he was so big on stuff like that, but we just took it so seriously and we just, and, and you know, you will know this from when I started training with you, we, we dived in and we just raced from the minute we dived into the water to the minute we finished, like we trained for an hour and we just raced the whole time. Like there was only one speed and it was just go. Um, But I, I was 11 when I went into the senior squad,
1: okay.
2: um, you know, and started training 10 sessions a week and not, not being able to keep up and, um, and just, you know, being with these athletes and um, young adults that were so much older than me and just doing my best to, to tag along and, and keep up. It was just um, survival of the fittest and we had strength by numbers and he prided himself on, um, you know, just building this culture of we trained harder than anyone else. We got up earlier than anyone else and we just went remind, to race.
0: Remind me of that that uh, starving time again.
2: Oh, uh, we had to be, so I got up at 10 past four and we had to be at the pool at 4.30, yeah. pull the covers off the pool and, and warm up and we'd be, yeah, in the water by quarter to five. Insane. <laughs> but it was just no one else in the country does this. We're the toughest. We train the earliest. We train the longest. We're the hardest and toughest. And and I guess that just gave everyone confidence when we went to, to race, you know, and went up against other clubs. But um, it was certainly survival of the fittest. And if you didn't survive, you didn't survive. Like, yeah. it was just
0: yeah yeah the um back in the 90s it certainly was that I remember mm. 1997 um I I start I did a um New Year's Eve training session mm. and I didn't tell them until seven o'clock that night um and I didn't I just took off you know I said this is what we're doing and and off off I went and um I didn't know what I was going to. You know, if anyone was going to turn up.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and anyway, everyone was there by one swimmer. Uh, and we trained on New Year's Eve no, 1997. And it was just the thing back then, you know. And I, I can yeah. remember uh, Ken inviting me up to um, – because, yeah, we were on lots of teams, you know, and Robbie and I have spoken about him on the podcast, what a great coach. And, and he had so many swimmers, like like just one yeah. after the other. And, and you you know you weren't the only breaststroker um, in that, um, that it, over that time but yeah it must have, I can't remember maybe it was like 97 98 something like that I think no mm. it was probably yeah maybe, maybe even 96 it was somewhere around there and he invited me up and the squad came up and we spent the whole day you know and uh, mm. we trained did two sessions we ate do you remember that, or you, yeah, you might I have been do. too young?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, yeah, I remember your squad, you know, merging in with ours and, and mm. training. And did we do some race practice as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, we
0: did. We did heaps of things.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, yeah, he was, he was always, he always had a joke and stuff. He used to call me Little Napoleon. <laughs> yes, he'd come he up did. to me and you know be at a swim meet or something and yeah, what's Little Napoleon thinking up this time? You know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: uh.
2: I mean, he just he just demanded, um, you know, excellence and a, and a work ethic and, you know, you just didn't not show up to training mm. There's no parents were allowed on pool deck. He actually made parents sign a contract not to come on, on pool deck, which wouldn't have held up in a, you know, court of law or anything, but it was an agreement and we handed our logbooks in every Monday morning and then he, he would spend all Monday writing comments in your logbook. And that's how he gave you feedback. Like that's yeah. how he'd say what you're doing well or what you need to work on. And um, yeah, it was all quite formal, I guess. So, but he, yeah, he just demanded a standard from everybody in the squad. There was no exceptions. So yeah, yeah.
0: And he had a charisma about him that yeah, you, know, you, you you'd perform for him. I would guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Was always looking for. Um, yeah the, the the nod from him or you know for him to his approval of um your performance or or how you went and, and you know I just I just did what he told me to do always If mm. he told me to do it I just went okay and I did it and I did it as hard and as fast and as well as I could so um yeah I just showed up and and did everything that he asked me to do as much as I could and then you know you get results and you get performance and um, it just sort of it rolls from there. So, but it, it was a long time and I think you know he had a really tough exterior, but he had a he had a softness underneath that as well, um, which I did see. And I think he mellowed mallow, a lot in his, as he got older. And um, yeah, but it was it was really tough for me to to leave that squad and to leave him. I think I stayed. Training there, not feeling like it was the right thing for me as an athlete anymore. Um, but I stayed out of loyalty for a long time, um, and so it was a really big decision and a hard decision for me to to leave that squad. But ultimately, yeah, it was the right decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, something. Uh, yeah, it's hard to coach someone or to be coached by someone for that length of time, isn't it? You know, like. Yeah. Um, I think people have got to remember that um, I I sort of feel like around that sort of six, seven-year mark is ideal. Mm. Um, But it would be like going to school and having a teacher for 12 years. Um, Yeah.
2: um, I I just got to the point where, you know, I rocked up Tuesday morning. I knew what the set was going to be. I knew what session we were going to be doing most days. And um, I I, I just felt like, I was getting to an age where I wasn't able to do more kilometres. I wasn't able to train harder. I just wanted to look at things from a different perspective and try and train smarter, not necessarily harder. And I think I communicated that with him, with Ken, and we had lots of conversations about it. And I um, I think he tried, but ultimately, you know, I was asking him to change the way he coaches. Yeah. To fit me, yeah, which he just couldn't do, and you know, and which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, d- I just in the end just had to, I just needed a change, I needed a different approach. And um, I contacted um, the head coach at QAS when I was um looking to move and asked for his advice on where I should go, and um, he uh, you know, I think a number of people knew that I was sort of not happy where I was, and and can you? And um, he he directed me go and train with um, Stefan, and I just didn't feel like that was the right squad or the right fit for me. And I suggested you, and and he said, uh, "Oh no, Shannon won't take any breaststrakers. He won't. He doesn't <laughs> want any breaststrakers to his squad." So it's funny you mentioned that uh, <laughs> earlier. Um, you only, you'll only have freestylers in your squad, but I think because we had crossed paths a few times, like a, you know, on junior teams, and I'd sat next to you on a plane a few times when we were going somewhere with QAS, and I just felt like there was, um, you know, a connection there where I felt like we could work together. And so I was like, "Well, I'm just going to call him. I'm just going to call him and see." So, um, yeah, and then
0: the rest is history.
2: The rest is history. Yeah.
0: The, um yeah and also yeah, you have an affiliation with a club too when you've been that there that long and back then for the listeners um, one of the things that Brisbane oh Queensland did well and in that southeast Queensland area was was Brisbane swimming and we had a fantastic club championship. so you could really sort of coach a club, a whole club and and you needed your juniors to be going well, your seniors and everyone in between. Um And, you know, there was uh, Ken and Redcliffe Leagues and they'd win it a number of times. We at Chandler won it a number of times. Yoronga Park uh, mm. Commercial were, mm. you know, they'd won it for years and years. Um, so there was that, um, there was a real club atmosphere in Brisbane that was quite strong, which I look back and think it was just a wonderful, um, it was wonderful being a young coach because you had to coach. A lot of people to be successful and win that championship. So, you know, you, you would have felt that affiliated with the, with that Redcliffe leagues as well, wouldn't you? And the yeah. whole district of Redcliffe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and it was my um Redcliffe was not a huge place. Like I was born and bred Redcliffe. It's where I grew up, and so I, it, you know, I had a strong. It's where I went to school. I had a strong connection to. Your first the pilot Olympics and, and, and the area and um, and my first Olympics, yeah. And I think even though at the time I felt, um, you know, I wouldn't say it ended well when we when Ken and I parted ways, but um, I certainly have a lot of respect for him and what I achieved under him at that, you know, my first Olympics and um, at, at eighteen, which was you know, amazing, and we worked really hard towards that together. So I'm, I'm certainly grateful for that time that I had there. Yeah, um, yeah. and and I tried to leave um, as respectfully as I could to him and and, and to the club, you know. Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: It's hard, but, yeah, I tried to,
0: yeah. the um And uh, so you went to Worlds in 07 and, and Commonwealth Games uh, in 02, your first Commonwealth um, I was saying that the other day, you know, with Birmingham coming up, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that England does well is sporting events, and uh, the London Olympics stands out for me and the Manchester Commonwealth Games. Um, and you were on that team. Actually, I was watching a race the other day and, and you were in the grandstand. It was your hair that gave it away. Um, usually it usually does. <laughs> it'd be hard for you to get away with much time?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah spot her
0: i see her <laughs> um but you moved to so 2003 yeah you know, early 2003 you, you move um but you didn't make the worlds in you three you didn't make the olympic team in 04 how hard was it not making that olympic team and i remember you saying to me one day um uh, i think it might have been after athens um can I have a chat to you, Shannon? And I thought it was, can I have a chat to you, Shannon? I'm going to retire talk. I'm
2: out, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, did you think about that? Um,
2: yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I made the move to train with you and I think your philosophy around coaching and um, was just so refreshing for me and it was exactly what I was searching for and um, looking for and it just... Um, made sense and resonated with me so much but I think um, it it just you know it just didn't come together in 04 I just wasn't quite you know I was still trying to adjust to a new way of training and I was I'd had niggly knee injuries and um, and it it just didn't come together and I was devastated at the time because I think I was the perfect age to sort of you know perform and um, yeah it was really Really challenging, and I didn't, you know, I was working and commuting to get to training and um, making sacrifices in my own life so that I could keep swimming. So it was, it would have been the easiest thing to walk away. Yeah, at, at that point for sure. Like I was still, you know, getting on my parents' private health so that I could afford to have physio and things like that, so I could keep training and working part time and. Um, so it certainly would have been easier to walk away, but I think just at that time, um, uh, obviously Jodie and Alice had been and had um, you know great Olympics, and I think that was motivating and inspiring because I was like, no, I still want that. Like I want, I want want that just done. Mm. And I think also just knowing that, um, despite not making the team, I still had that desire to get the best out of myself and I felt like the choices that I'd made in training with you and the program I hadn't seen the full benefit of that and I needed to see it through and it's just I still felt like that that was the right choice that I needed to try and give it another shot and get the best out of myself I just just didn't feel done yeah I felt like there was more and I just wanted to keep going with that
0: yeah it wasn't easy um just remembering, like when you first started, you were traveling from Redcliffe to Chandler. Yeah, I
2: was driving an hour in the morning from Redcliffe, only car on the road to Chandler, and then you know going going to work and traveling across town to try and get some physio, and then back to the pool, and then driving back to Redcliffe late that night. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and not not having a lot of financial support from from the sport or my work at that time. So. Um yeah, it was challenging. But that
0: knee injury, I remember that. Um yeah. is it Peter Wells? He was trying to get you to change how you walked. Yeah. To use your yeah. glutes more. And all we could do was pull.
2: I didn't have glutes. Yeah. I just had quads. We'd <laughs> done I've done so much. And look, I, I feel like at Redcliffe, we had no business being good. We punched above our weight back. Like it wasn't, you know, we didn't have fancy equipment or or pools or anything like that but you know i worked really hard in the gym when i was young and i just built up big strong quad muscles from doing ridiculous reps and um yeah and i and i got this knee injury and he was like well you've got no there's no balance in your muscles and you're not walking properly and yeah so and i feel like i just had to relearn a lot of things and change the way that i approached um the sport and training and so that's why I still felt like I was on that journey and still had um, room for growth and improvement to to get the best out of myself. Yeah. But I just wanted I wanted more Olympics. I just wanted more. Yeah, I just wanted more.
0: Yeah, I mean, all, that, all those sets, like basically Peter said from my memory, you can race, she can race in breaststroke, but that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, what seemed an eternity, you know, it was yeah,
2: yeah.
0: more than a year. Um, every, everything was pull. All the efforts yeah. was pull and stuff. And consequently, you got really good at pull.
2: That pull, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah.
0: Uh, 110 push and you just, just rattle off 32s, push, pull all the time. Um, yeah. So it's funny how things happen. Uh, the um, but, um, you know, before we get on to uh, my next question, just um, that, Me moving to the AIS, Mm. um, you know, how was that for you? You know, because there's a lot of those, you know, Canberra haters and AIS haters. And, uh, um, you know, was that something you gave a lot of thought of or or you were just like, I'm going to go? And was it a great, was it a good move for you?
2: It, It was the best decision that I ever made. And I'm grateful that I was given the opportunity to go. Um, having just missed out on 2004, you know, getting a bit older, I'm not sure um, they really wanted me. But um, I think it was the best decision that that I made for lots of reasons. But I I think part of the reason with relocating, I think for me privately and personally, my personal life, I didn't have a lot of things tying me to Brisbane. So there was a bit of like, oh, well, effort, I'm going. Like I've got nothing really holding me here that, is important to me that I need to stay for and I'd made the decision that I was going to commit to swimming and giving that a real shot but I think um I think having struggled with um you know like trying to battle through making it work with training and then going to the AIS where a lot of those barriers are removed where you've got access to sports science and you've got access to physio and and you've got access to doctors and medical support and it's all at your fingertips and it's right there and um, training is so made so much easier for you and I think having found that so difficult previously, um, I just embraced that and and really tried to make the most of that those resources that are available to me so. Um, yeah I think for my swimming and then obviously you know personally as well as things turned out it was the best decision for me and it allowed me to keep swimming um, for longer and and to be an older athlete.
0: And you went off to uni and started to be a teacher?
2: Yeah absolutely so I moved to Canberra got to continue swimming and go to another olympics I studied and did a degree and finished the sport with a degree that I transferred straight into, and met my husband. So, um, yeah, like a real sliding doors moment in my life. Yeah. I think, yeah,
0: yeah. No, it was certainly was the. Um, um, I, I saw a thing. Uh, it was Lisa and jo, um, Jody were having a chat or something, and, and Lisa said that. Um, she wished she had have studied while she was swimming you know and there's a big push for that now but um you know we were doing it 15 years ago or so 16 years ago yeah
2: i'd go as far to say it was discouraged in my first club (laughs) um and it was just we were encouraged just to put all your eggs in one basket and swim and swim well and swim fast and you'll you know that'll be your life but Everyone needs to have, no matter how successful you are at swimming, you've got to have something to move on to for the rest of your life. And um, I think that's a big part of what made my transition um, to life after swimming easier. And, um, you know, when we were in Canberra at the AIS, you had to be learning or earning as part of your scholarship. And I think that was the best thing for sure.
0: That that was... um... I mean that was certainly something I put in that I don't not I'm not sure but I don't think it was there before and I I did the same when I went into Denmark um, because I just think you got a stronger athlete behind the blocks mm-hmm. if, if everything's not yeah you know living or dying by by the result of of the swimming
2: yeah.
0: you have a mentally a just a better athlete yeah
2: absolutely and just to have something else that's going on in your life that isn't about swimming. I know when I left, and I think particularly in an environment like the Institute where it can be, you know, a bit isolating and you, you can be yes. stuck in a bit of a bubble, to have to leave that space and go somewhere else and socialise with people who have um, nothing to do with that part of your life and and mentally just think about something else and focus on something else, Um is, is great for your sport and your mental health and and necessary
0: so yeah absolutely um but you know this um this time frame um the uh there was a lot of good breast trackers wasn't there you know i, I um was it? there was obviously mm-hmm. Liesel, and then there was yeah. hanson jade edmonston who in 2005 breaks the world record and wins the world championship um and who else It was yourself?
2: It was Brooke Hanson, Sarah
0: Casulas, Sarah. That's right. yeah. Yeah. Um. So you you, know, you did a one of the things that I really admired in you was your ability just to keep on going uh, when you hadn't done a PB since two thousand one.
2: Hmm.
0: You swim your next PB in two thousand six. The fact that you stayed with me, uh, I'll tip my hat. Um, Yeah, your last team was 2002 and your next team isn't to the next come-off games in 2006. How, you know, talk us through that. I mean, each year you must have been thinking because you it wasn't like you weren't swimming. I'm not swimming PBs, but I'm on the Australian team. You were like, you were were right out the door.
2: Yeah. I think, I mean, even before... You know those amazing breaststrokers. You know there was there, there was Sam Riley and there was yeah. Re- Rebecca Brown and Caroline Hildreth and Helen Denman, and I, we had this really strong depth and culture of breaststrokers for a good decade. Yeah. And so I think if you made the Australian team and you're on the Australian team, you're in the Olympic final. You're you're in the World Champs final. You're in a chance with a medal. So. I think that was one thing that I was like, well, you know, it's just competitive just to get on the team. But I think I, even though I wasn't, it wasn't easy for sure, but I think I was still just able to stay on this journey of self-growth where I was, even though I wasn't improving time-wise, I was learning so much about myself as an athlete and constantly felt like I had things to work on and improve on. And so, even though it wasn't in the times, I still felt like I was becoming a better athlete and learning more about myself and one step closer yeah, to yeah. what I was trying to achieve. So I guess that's what really kept me going. And then just that um, that drive to sort of, you know, get back where I wanted to be and and achieve and just get the best out of myself, I think. And I felt like I was always still getting closer to doing that and improving. So, I Yeah, I mean...
0: The improvements were always there in the process, weren't they? I mean, yeah. you yeah. You, you, didn't, you never swam bad. You were always ranked in the top ten. And, you know, uh, I remember, like, in the gym we were making big gains in the gym. Yeah. Um, Tani got that strong, uh, Robbie, that she did her ribs one, one, uh, one year because she was so fast that chin-ups. You know, so we were doing this, yeah. these power chin-ups.
2: Yeah, and I checked my
0: teeth in the chin up bar too. <laughs> so Tony wasn't allowed to do power chin ups anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, and then so 2006, you you make the team uh, for the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne and you win a bronze medal and and you swim a PB. So, uh, yeah. so the monkey was off off your shoulder and you're you're yeah. away yeah, I, a bit then, weren't you? I was
2: so thrilled at that Commonwealth Games. Yeah, I think
0: I was too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, <Talk> about relief. <laughs> I think I just felt like, um, yeah, it was just, I just finally, I, and, you know, and so many people sort of said to me, so good to see you finally got back there and that you're back, you know, on the podium or performing or um, back on the team. And um, yeah, so I think it was nice to finally feel Like I cracked through again, and after a big break from being on the team and, and performing and winning medals, so yeah, it was great.
0: And, and the following year, you make the 2007 Worlds, which again in Melbourne, and they you, you you were on that 01 team that uh, was in Fukuoka, so that was yeah. your previous Worlds, yeah. Um, and you finaled in uh that 50 and the 100. Uh, did you medal in the medley in the, in the relay heat in, in
2: Melbourne? Yes, think we, we did. Yes. Yeah. Got a medal.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and a bronze in the 50.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, was there a turning point that year? I mean, in my head, there was a big turning point for you. I mean, I suppose you could say making the team again um, yeah. was in 06. But really, you kept swimming 107s and and um I think from memory was at thirty one highs. I don't yeah. think you cracked. Yeah, you were just stuck on times, weren't you? You, you yeah, the uh, sixty seven 67.9, seven nine. You must have done fifty of them, and uh, you come off the back of the World Championships. And I wanted to take you to the, yeah the group to Man Ostrom. Yeah and you and joe you know well, it was one thing after another um, yeah and for me your turning point really was that man nostrum tour yeah um, do you remember when i took yourself and jody down to the front we were in A for the first the first meet, and i said to you both of you by rights you shouldn't be here it's got no i mean
2: business being here <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: And uh you're gonna need to bring all your talent to the pool because you're not fit enough not to. Mm. You remember that?
2: I do, yeah. You're like, you've got no business being here. <laughs> and I was like, what? Was
0: it, were they the words, were they?
2: Tell me um yeah, I I do remember that. And I remember um I, I was rooming with Jodes in Ken A. Yeah. And I I think alert some stuff from her to be honest because she just had this um, you know nothing to lose attitude and like oh well, I'm not going to be here but I'm just going to go out and see what happens and no expectations and just nothing to lose and I think I think I had a maturity that was starting starting to come along and but I think the biggest thing for me and the biggest shift for me was enjoying racing
0: yeah
2: i enjoyed racing
0: well you won everything that that made i mean (laughs) it was so fun and it was
2: fun winning and having no business being there and it was (laughs) i just was like how good is this and i think you know we i hadn't had a good prep but i'd obviously had some you know good background that i was pulling on from somewhere and a maturity that i could pull on from racing um, for some reason, I felt confident racing, <laughs> and I I just was enjoying racing. I was just going out there and going, oh well, nothing to lose, and giving it a red hot crack and and just enjoying it. So I think it was a real shift for me to you know because I always loved training. I always loved training and pushing myself hard. Um, but it was I think it was a real shift to just enjoying the racing part of you know competing and and yeah. You know, um,
0: no, you definitely made a big shift. And and I remember I, you kept going seven strokes through the first 25 and this was just year after year and I was always at you to do six.
2: Mm.
0: You went through in six and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you were swimming, uh, I think, mid-sevens, yeah. swimming PBs. You, you won at all the hundreds there and uh, any of the 50s that you went into. And I remember you came back and... Your training was just went to another level as well. Um, any favorite sets that come to mind that you used to used to like?
2: Um, I loved. Oh, I loved when we did, you know, just max seventy fives, and mm. you know, we'd just do low reps and and seventy five max effort, and um, or you know, we'd do like six fifties, and you'd be like, oh, should we do five? Should we do six? And, <laughs> And um, but they're just f- flat out. Yeah. I think um, you know, in just lactate production sets I really yeah. enjoy. And and I remember you know in prep for two thousand and eight, you know, doing lactate production sets and and just being like you know about to vomit from you know lactate and training and and you being like, should we do one more? Do you think we should do one more? And me just being like, yeah, you know that. I think that just, even though like the last thing you felt like doing was getting up and um, trying to do another max e- effort, but just um, yeah, that commitment to the process and that commitment to to what we we're trying to achieve. I think rather, yeah, another we'll one. I'm going to vomit, but yeah, and yeah. I and the the back end um, doing those back end. Um. Fifties, we would swim. Oh, returns. Yeah, we're doing returns. That gave me heaps of confidence in my back end of my race, I think too, which hadn't always been my strength. But I went. I I know when I was racing that that was mentally how I would approach it, and it just gave me confidence.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I've got this little black book, and I've I've got sets that were really people did really well. Yeah, um, and you know for uh Jody it was the 850s on two or the 750s mm-hmm. on two and Alice it was long rest stuff Yeah. Um, and with you it was exactly that set. it, it, it was like variations it was 35s and then um, a 50 so like 235s 250s yeah. and then, and then we'd swim off for like 4 yeah. 500 meters uh, there was 65s uh like 265s 250s and you had to be 19 strokes through the split. Mm-hmm. Yep. of the 65s and the 75s. You were going like 48s for the 75s. And you could just like, yeah, you, we had the speed charts that mm.
2: Tim Carrison
0: and I came up with and everything just pointed to a six.
2: Yeah. And
0: we went to Vic States and you went a six at Vic States in the January of yes. 2008, which was just yeah. a massive drop. And I remember wow. Lee Nugent saying, did that... Did, are you surprised by that? Did you see that coming? And I turned around to him and I went, yeah, actually, I've been seeing that coming for about six months now. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: just the training. You were just on this real roll off the back of that Manostrum meet.
2: Yeah. And, and I remember you speaking to me at Vic States after I did that and pulling me right back down to earth. And, <laughs> um, I wouldn't
0: and have she, done that,
2: <laughs> And just and, and basically saying to me, don't think that this was a fluke because I was like, I can't believe I did that. And you yes. were like, No, no, this has been—you've been doing this. Like you've been working towards this, and this is what you've been on track to do. This is not a fluke. Like you were meant to do this, mm. and it's—it's it's happened now. You know, you've got Olympic trials in in a short period of time. But and and then you'll just you know stay focused on what the big picture and the big goal is. But I think. I think I was a bit like, oh wow, like I, I'm I've dropped. And you were like, Yeah, it's not it's not a fluke, like you've yeah. yeah. Oh yeah,
0: I I I don't, I don't I don't remember saying it to you, but my thinking would have been, I can't let you think, oh, this was just a fluke. And
2: yeah.
0: Know, and it, it wasn't because um you went on to do plenty of 106s. Uh, yeah. when you tore your labrum, was that After trials or before trials?
2: I can't believe you can't remember that. It was three weeks before Olympic trials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I I can
0: remember you just swimming out of your skin that night
2: and then coming in
0: the next morning and you were injured. And I'm thinking, how did this happen?
2: I did it doing box jumps in the gym. That's how. And, um, yeah, it was so painful and I just couldn't believe it. And... You know, I remember seeing the physio and finding out and and then you, I remember having a conversation with you and you were like, well, that's it, we're done, that's it. And I, I turned to you and I said, I, I don't care if I have to drag my leg up and down that pool at trials, I am not going to not make it. And I was just... I felt like we just worked so hard and come so far and were so close. I really was like, I, I, I don't care if I have to drag my leg. We're, we're going and then we're going to race and we're going to race faster and we're going to make that team.
0: Yeah, Peter Blanche was very good with that. It's he was amazing, yeah. But he said to me, he said, Shannon, you've, you've got to manage this now. Yeah. It, it won't get better, you know. It'll just, there'll be days where she won't be able to do First straight, straight kick, and there'll be other yeah. days where she will be able to. I was like, oh god.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we really didn't know. Like, I didn't even know I hadn't done a lot of kick, you know. And that, I mean, fortunately, we were sort of coming into that taper period of the the prep, but I really hadn't done a lot of kick until I raced at, yeah. at Olympic trials, and it wasn't until I swam, you know, the, the heats that I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I can do it. I'm gonna be all right because. It hurt, but I didn't think about it when I was racing.
0: So. Yeah, I remember, like you, you ended up going six zero, but in the heat, you know, it didn't matter what time you did it. it. The only thing that mattered to me was, can you do another one? Are you in yeah. pain? You know, it was, uh, it was a different because basically, if you had said, oh, no, that's it, I can't swim, you know, it was just one of those. Every you didn't know what you were going to get until you got it.
1: Yeah. So. Hey, Tani, sorry, Shannon, but Tani, I hope you don't mind if I jump in here because there's been a question since you guys have been talking that's sort of starting to reveal itself to me that I want to ask. And it could be a really silly question, Tani, but it seems towards the back end of your career, you were really driven you know, as you just said, there's no way I'm not getting there. And even you know, Shannon alluded to before that you're going through a period where he was thinking, "Well, she's got to be thinking soon." You know, this is the end. And you were like, "Well, I'm not." Well, yeah. Other than obviously the drive to be, you know, to go to another Olympics and that internal drive, was there something underneath that was was pushing you towards that? Was there, yeah, something that we, we haven't spoken about yet?
2: I I'm not I. Uh... Nothing I can put my finger on. I think um, I think it, it's probably just my personality a little bit. I love a challenge. I don't mind being backed into a corner and being told I can't do something or I've got no business being there. Or I, I wonder of, who I,
1: would say that to somebody. That's uh, for, I kind who of, would I say love that?
2: that a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I think you know, probably going back just to my early days of training with Ken, that was just. It was tough. It was just, there was just a grit and a toughness that was there. And I think um, resilience and, and I I probably looking back over my career, the reason that I got to the point that I did was just getting back up. It was just keep going and just being annoying and not going away. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, just to get back up and keep going, I think was probably. If I had to pull it down to one thing, it, that's that's what got me through. So,
1: well, I'm glad we're getting to tell this story because I, I think you know you're you're tremendous in terms of that longevity and in your career and you know the ups and the downs and and the way you sort of, as you said, you just, you were never giving up. And I think. Although you probably wouldn't say this, but Shannon probably would as a coach. Who's That's not something that is innate in all athletes. I think it's very um, special to you. So I'm glad we're getting to, to tell this story. Since I've stolen the microphone for a second, Shannon, I just want to quickly ask this question as well, because otherwise it'll seem irrelevant by the end of it. Um, You mentioned before, Shannon, um, you know, Tani obviously swam with Shannon and Ken. Obviously, you know, different coaching styles, but obviously both very successful. Is there something, do you think, that is similar through, you know, the successful coaches? Is there something, even though they are different, that they both did that made them successful, do you think?
2: Well, I think there's an obvious passion and commitment to coaching and the sport and getting the best out of of an athlete. You know, I think... Um, Different approaches to doing that, absolutely. Um, and I think for me what um, I really, you know, I think Shannon does that really well where he looks at the individual and finds what their strength is and what um, he can focus on for that individual person to get the best out of them because every athlete is different and, um, you know, in a squad of however many you we were all, all really different girls in our squad. And um, so I think that's pretty unique and special to be able to find what that individual athlete is going to work for them and, and, and just getting the best out of them, whatever that might be.
1: Mm. my my second question to follow up on that in terms of the programming so obviously the coaches but then the programming behind that you've been fortunate to be a part of some you know great squads in terms of you know coming from Redcliffe we know the lineage that came out of that pool and then going to train with Shannon with Jody and Alice and, and the great squad that they had is there something again that's quite Um, similar in terms of you know both of those training programs is there something that you can look back on and go well they both did this and I think that's sort of what helped them become successful
2: um just culture I think you know we they both had a strong culture and a different culture and um you know we obviously had a really strong culture of at at Redcliffe where we um we're all in it together and I think that you know Particularly in those formative years, really got me through having such a strong group of people that are always working towards the same goals. And um, and then similar with the tight knit girls that I trained with at Shannon Squad, um, success breeds success, and when everyone's sort of working towards the same common goal and um, the standard is high, it, you lift, you you rise, like you you want to be good so you look at other people and what they're doing and and you you do the same thing because it's just, it just creates this culture and environment where you're all working towards the same thing and, and supporting each other. And I think, you know, in a squad that was predominantly girls for a long time with Shannon, it's not always easy to do and um, they were such a great bunch of girls and really supportive and, yeah, it was good. Mm.
1: I'm glad yeah. you said that, that success breeds success. I love that quote. And I, I guess, Shannon, from a, uh, you know, a day and age, like looking at now, that's something that's sort of St. Peter's Western have going for them at the moment, that people want to go and train there because they know they're training with, you know, half of the Olympic team. How, how many how many swimmers did St. Peter's have on the Olympic team this year? Uh, it was like six or seven. Yeah, they had a few. Um, and, and
0: Bowley had that, like he had, I think, nine in 2012. yeah. So, but no, it's um, I'd have to agree with with Tan. You know, like, and you saw that with people that would come in, wouldn't you? Like, uh, yeah, the Belinda Hockings and and even you know Craig Calder, um, they would come in from Orby Redonga, and you know they'd improved heaps that the first twelve months just because they're in a squad where everyone in the squad is on the Australian team. You know, so um, so yeah. It certainly does. The environment is very, very important. Um, um, so, we, so we're so we off to your second Olympics, Beijing. Um, and uh, I remember uh, I mentioned Belinda there. She was your roomie, wasn't she, uh, in the lead-up camp? Yes. Oh, so that was in Malaysia, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, Kuala Lumpur. Hot
0: and, yeah, hot and muggy. and Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and then uh, you... Yeah, I remember in the lead-up, you know, when you do all your Olympic stuff, it was all about not getting sick Mm -hmm. because of this, uh, you know, virus over there that's, you know, we're not used to and blah, 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 blah. And what happened to you?
2: You got sick, yeah. (laughs) You really got sick first, didn't she? Yeah, Belinda got sick. Um, She probably slept with the air conditioner on ridiculously high, um, but yeah, she she got sick, and um, it was pretty much the day we moved from KL into the village where I went down. Yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I just I knew it straight away. Felt you know unwell on the bus traveling, and I'd been sleeping with a humidifier mask on and trying not to catch anything from from Bindy um, when we were rooming together, and she was unwell and. Um, you know, like I had asthma and and um, sinus and things like that. So, and and it just it just hit me and uh, so hard in those areas. I think and affected yeah. me so much. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I, I remember you, you didn't tell me to, at the start, and, and you were in the water. And you just weren't looking quite right, and that anyway. Yeah. And then um, so so anyway, so you told me, and uh, so we went easy for a couple of days, but um. Where, you, where they had you in the room, you were in the worst room. Was I was
2: in the broom cupboard, I reckon. <laughs> it was the worst. It had a, I was so tiny and uh, we couldn't even fit our bags in the in the room and had a door from inside our little apartment, but then there was a door in the room that also went out into the corridor, into the hallway that, yeah. where the stairs were going up to other apartments for all different sports and coaches and and things like that it was just so incredibly noisy
0: um
2: yeah so uh, yeah village life wasn't ideal
0: yeah i remember i was like a couple days and and you weren't getting any better and um obviously you would have gone off the dock and stuff and
2: yeah
0: and then you said oh i'm just not sleeping well and then i i went into the room i was like oh my god and i think i got craig stevens to help me move your bed and we almost reconfigured your room yeah
2: yeah, I moved out into the lounge room. Moved all the furniture and That's right. to the lounge room because it was better than sleeping in the broom cupboard. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, and I think I just um, yeah, you know, I was unwell and I was you know doing nasal washes and taking everything that I was legally allowed to be able to take to try and get better and resting and approaching it as as best we could. But um, I just didn't have that fifth gear. Yeah when I was trying to to, to race or, or sprint in training and, yeah, I just lacked that fifth gear that was there to. Yeah. Function.
0: Yeah, you were just dull, you know, yeah. I remember. And, uh, you know, you went in, you know, at the time you were second fastest ever and uh, and I think from memory seven low wins the bronze medal and you were yeah. a six zero girl. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just wasn't. It, it, it just didn't yeah. click, did it? You know, and obviously you were sick and stuff. And I remember when we met back here in Canberra, because I always, you know, came home straight away. And mm-hmm. um, I remember we met at Jamison, and because you know, for me, I was like, ah, you know, it was such, um, such a disappointment. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. you, you uh, tried to talk you into going one more year. Yeah. And I remember you sat down, and you were still sick.
2: <laughs> I was still sick, yeah. And then I couldn't believe it. But, but I got—I was still sick. I got married after a month when we'd been back from Beijing, and I—I—I I, I stopped talking the day before my wedding, and even the day of my wedding, because I had no voice. I was still sick
1: yeah. four weeks
2: after getting back. And I, I'd been on, like, so many courses of antibiotics at that point. And, um, yeah, I was still sick a month after getting back. It was a horrid virus that just took me ages to to kick and get over.
0: It was probably COVID-08.
2: <laughs> well, let's split <laughs> that. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> they started. thought it
0: started in 2019.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, they're wrong.
0: The, um, yeah, and... and uh, so, I managed to talk you into swimming another year. Um, yep. I don't know how much I managed to talk you into it, or you were always going to, but um, and, and no, I,
2: I wasn't going to. Um, I went to that cafe to meet you for lunch. And I said to my husband, Ben, Nah, I'm done. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to swim. And I got home. I'm like, So, I'm going back to training on Monday. <laughs> and he's like, What? Who
0: is this wizard, Shannon, that can change your mind over it? I think I promised, I promised that we're just going to go for the 50. Yes. Yes. And, and we go to 09. You, you, you just missed Jay. Was it Jay Dimenson still had the world record then, I think, at yeah. 30.42 yeah. or something like that? And,
2: yeah.
0: And you went 30.45 and you are the only girl in the world under 31. And then they came out with those bloody suits.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, and I hadn't been focusing on the 50. I just had this easy speed, you know, yeah. for the 50. And so I think we thought, well, if we focus on that and so close that, um, you know, that was a realistic goal and that that's really what got me back in, just to have a different focus and, and focus on that 50. Um, I, I was devastated after our like, weight because I, I think... You know, I mean, that sport, everything has to come together and align for you to to get that performance on that day. But I, I genuinely feel that I went to that Olympics with a realistic opportunity and chance to come away with a medal. So, and and that was always my goal. So it, I was pretty shattered after that as well. Um, but yeah, you uh, you got me in there with the fifty and that sort of focus and. Um. You know, I thought, well, that's going to be something new and different mm-hmm. a new challenge. Um, but, yeah, the suits just changed everything, I think. Um, all of a sudden, everyone had easy speed and, you yeah. know, I think for me what my strengths were as a swimmer, as a breaststroker was, um, you know, my technique and body position and my ability to hold that up when you fatigue and get tired And the suits just took that strength away Mm. in that everybody, that it just, it helped those people that didn't have that power to body weight ratio and they didn't have that strength of being able to hold your technique together and um, body position at the end of the race when you're fatiguing. And so, yeah, all of a sudden all these rangdangs that hadn't been... (laughs) (laughs) anywhere. Came out of the woodworks, and they uh, couldn't break
0: thirty-one. And the next minute, they're basically knocking on the door, and going twenty-nine.
2: It was insane.
0: Um, yeah, and it was insane. Yeah, and I think at the worlds that year, they went. A couple of them went twenty-nine. Uh, and Jaded had, had the world record for four years. I mean, yeah. you you were like nineteen strokes down the first lap of of the uh, hundred, and you'd split 30.8, 30. 30.9. 30 nineteen strokes, you know that alignment that you could get into and just hold. Not everyone had, and um, and the suits. Someone asked me about them, and I said, "Well, it's a bit like a tennis racket. You know how there's a sweet spot in the tennis racket? Well, now the whole tennis racket is the sweet spot. So it doesn't yeah. matter about hit getting that ball on the sweet spot. You just got to hit the ball, and the whole racket." Is the sweet spot. So it doesn't matter that you're not technically quite so good, as long as you put that suit on, it'll yeah get you into the position. And if you're already in that position, well it was too much. I mean, I I remember you couldn't even keep your legs in the water.
2: No, I I, yeah, I think you had to change the way. Well, I would have had to completely change the way that I swam for the suit because yeah, I, I dived in and tried to kick and my my feet came out of the water yeah. and broke the surface because I was so high in the water. So yeah.
0: and we yeah. saw that a little bit even if the 08 suit like you kept swimming in the 07 suit in 08. Yeah. Because of that. So there was a there was a little inkling there mm. because those suits changed things a bit. But then the yeah. then the 09 suit well it was just basically a wetsuit so.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it just, um, I don't feel like it was a great year for the sport and, um, yeah, it just certainly changed things for sure.
0: Well, the stat was there was was one world record every three days
2: Mm.
0: for the entire year.
2: Which is not normal.
0: No. I mean, if you even thought there was a chance of a world record, you'd hang around and and Mm -hmm. make sure. But yeah. I can remember people, you'd be walking out while the world record was getting broken. Yeah, you know,
2: another
0: like, one. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah,
2: which is a
0: shame. Yeah, it was. Um, And we've talked about, um, you know, like if it wasn't for that, I think we talked about this last week, Robbie, like Ian Thorpe would still have the 400 world record from Manchester if that suit, you know, hadn't have uh, appeared. Um But anyway, I remember... That it Rome it wasn't it was my least favorite world championships by a country mile um yeah. and uh I remember I get a knock at the door I was rooming with Simon Kuzak, and uh and you were at the door and you had this envelope and and it was basically you know your gift to me um yeah. for coaching you and um I opened it and the first thing I saw or well, the thing that stood out to me was this big Shell sign. And I thought, oh, she's <laughs> bought me some petrol. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to realise she bought me a, a an exp- Ferrari experience and I got to drive four Ferraris from Sydney all the way down to um, And I, I think I had a year to, to, to get that done. That was a fantastic uh, yeah you know, memory, a funny story, um, but a fantastic memory. And uh, it again, it said a lot about you.
2: Yeah, I think i I wanted to get you something knowing that I'd finished swimming, and um, just to show my appreciation for what you'd done for me as a coach, but also as a person, because you know I sort of touched on you know the personal growth being something for me that kept me going and and just as a person as, a, as well how much I've learned from you and 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 training under you and i think you know and then just personally the things that you support me through the ups and downs in my private life um, um you can't underestimate the positive impact that a person like you has on your life in that time and it, it was more than just coaching, and I thought about what to get you for a long time. And um, you know, obviously, you're a mad car nut, and um, <laughs> I was I was actually surprised that was a tennis analogy before and not a
0: car analogy. Car
2: analogy, because usually <laughs> that's. What I was. But I, you know, and I just was like, oh, I don't want to get jewelry, and I don't want to, you know. I was just trying to find the right thing for you, and then I saw this, and I'm like, that's it. That's what you he'll enjoy because.
0: Oh, it was fantastic! Yeah, and Just, the guy I did it with, yeah, because we all had to pair up. He was a Queenbian bloke, same
2: yeah, town as Ben. Yeah. yeah, there
0: you go. Yeah, no, it was very good. The um, and any uh, talking about funny stories? Have you got any uh, funny favourites from our, our time? Uh,
2: well, lots, yes, but I think, um, you know, we'd 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 often go to Threadbow and and have. Um, do training camps there with with our squad and with the girls and oh, there's so many from Threadboat, actually. Well, we, remember,
0: yeah, we used to do you two when, a year. So
2: remember when you drank um you drank water out of the creek and you <laughs> got unwell and you were like, "No, this water, and you're drinking it like out of your." Hatch or something, and yeah, that was
0: still I was still at Chandler though at that time. Um, yeah, you we like, started this going. This is the
2: freshest water that you're ever gonna get, and you're drinking this water fresh from the creek. And then you had an off gas that night. I'm so glad that we didn't drink that water.
0: Oh yeah. I landed on Fresh
2: Creek, I think.
0: I landed on Brisbane Airport, and Elle <laughs> picks me up, and I get in the car. She says, "How was it?" I said, "Get me to the hospital." Uh,
2: And then ended up in hospital. (laughs) Too funny. I um, and then in Thredbo, we were we were eating there at the restaurant, which is a really lovely, quite fine dining restaurant. Um, Mm -hmm. and we were training really hard, and you'd given us a huge lecture at the pool about. Um, making sure that we we were eating and trying new things, and when you go away on teams and you can't always control what the meals are going to be, and you just have to make sure that you're fueling your bodies and whatever you get served, you eat it. And how are you going on and on? It was a rant, and um, so we we went. We all sat down at dinner that night. We were in the restaurant and full we to served from Shannon at the end of training, and so we're sitting down there, and they. You were sort of the last one to come in, and they served a big plate of mushroom lasagna, and knowing that, knowing mushroom and eggplant lasagna, and knowing that it's not your thing at all, and you you were sitting opposite me, or well, your seat was going to be opposite me, and I was I was just waiting for it, and I thought this is going to go either way. He's either going to just crack it and lose it, or he's going to laugh i don't know i just didn't know which way it was gonna go i was so nervous and he came in and you sat down and you're like what's this and i was like it's mushroom lasagna <laughs> and you're like mushroom lasagna of all the things and you just laughed and cracked up and we just couldn't believe that of all the things they'd served after your big ranch that was like what the chef what heard in front of us but i was just so relieved that you know that you saw the funny side of it and
0: I tried. I tried, I tried to, in my defence. I tried to eat it. You
2: gave it a go.
0: I gave it a go, and I I stopped when the tears were starting to <laughs> fall from my eyes down my cheeks. I I, I was, it, it my eyes were watering. And I just I just tapped out, and everyone everyone laughed. So yeah,
2: it was great. It was a good good laugh at your own expense, which is nice that you were able to do that. You had you had this ability to turn on, you know, when you you would call us in and, you know, ha- have a go at us about something that you felt needed to be addressed and, you know, and you, you have, and call us all in and talk to us quite firmly and, you know, and then you'd get in the in the bus or the minivan and be like, ah, so, and shut the door and it's like you'd shut that door from that conversation and, and the pool and we're in the minivan on the way back and... You know, it was normal Shannon was back. And sometimes I'd be like, no, I'm still annoyed about the conversation we just <laughs> had on the pool deck. I'm not ready to move on and talk about 80s music or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I remember I Flea,
0: think, Flea's, uh, when I was coaching Flizby Galvez, she was yeah. like, I, I said, well, I'm not annoyed at you, the person. I'm just a, yes, yeah, you know, I'm just yeah. picking you up on you, the athlete, you, you know.
2: Yes. So yeah, yeah. That,
0: was, that was in my head, that was my thing, you know, like, yeah, um, yeah. If you yeah, and I that
2: think, you know, sometimes it wasn't because you were upset or angry, it was just because you're mm. like, oh, this is not good enough, guys. Like, I've got to call you out on this. But
0: yeah,
2: yeah, it's, it's, um, I think that's a big shift for me too, like, not to take things personally and, and to take feedback and criticism as an opportunity to improve and, and do better. Yeah. Um, something
0: I've learned over the years as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were the oldest. So you were 81, I'm 71. So we, it was yeah. funny, like, even like you're, you're probably, what, two years older than Joe, but, and a couple others in the squad. But it was, it was like, um, the things that I could talk to you about, the funny stuff it was, it was almost like, um, you're in that 10 year bracket that I was going yeah, through. Like yeah. we'd talk about Eddie Murphy and
2: yes, you know, yeah, yeah. funny
0: movies and things. So we had a lot in common and yeah. music and stuff. So um, even though it was just two years, it, it did make a difference, you know? So, yeah. So, yeah, always valued our laugh. Sometimes we laugh too much and uh, you had to get in the water, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it was all good. So, yeah
2: part of
0: it yeah and, and as a coach these days like back then uh, I was so much closer to the age whereas now there's a there's a huge difference and, and you know I'm coaching people who were born in 2002 you know so so yeah different yeah
2: it's that's crazy and I think you know I've, I've just turned 40 and you reminded me that you know you weren't even that age when you were coaching me so yeah I think it's
0: yeah, I sent you a text, and then we ended up talking that night, didn't we? And uh, yes, and I said, "Yo, you, you're now older than me." When I was yeah. coaching. you, you went, "No way!" I
2: know I that
0: blew my out. mind. Yeah, that's crazy. Gonna... Yeah, the uh, and what's it like in wrapping up? What's it like being married to a coach?
2: Yeah, I, I think when uh, yes, my husband's coaches rowing and uh, when he first started doing that at a high performance level, I think I, I might have said to you, I, I felt this need to call you and, and Elspeth, your wife, and apologise. I think um, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's so challenging and demanding when you've got a young family yeah. and I think, um, you know, athletes have to be and are generally quite egocentric and selfish and you don't realize the impact then the sacrifices that your coach making and Elspeth as your partner and wife and um, but I think it's um you know it, it's it's a challenging career he's away a lot and traveling a lot and similar to you his birthdays around the same time last year because of covid was the first year he was home for his birthday in about 7 years so yeah um, you know you miss out on those special moments with your family, but I think having been a professional athlete myself um, is helpful for me to have that perspective and understand in lots of ways.'ll we'll, He'll often bounce ideas off me and and I'll always encourage him to make the best decision and choice for his athletes and his squad over our family. and then afterwards I'm like what do I do that for but you know, I I understand the commitment that that comes with it, and um, yeah, and how much you need to to put into that. So I think um, you know, often he'll bounce ideas off me, and I'm like, no, make him train. You know, <laughs> so,
0: the are coming out. <laughs>
2: yes, that's it. So um, yeah, so I think that that helps for sure. Um, but yeah, it gives you some perspective from. The, the sacrifices that yourself and other coaches have to make to to commit to that sport.
0: Yeah, I, like if if you had no idea of that world, it could be mm. quite challenging. Yeah, to married, obviously, and stuff, and it is. It's always a balancing act, and um, and and there'll be times where you'll just have to put family first, you know. So, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, definitely a balancing act, but. Um, but yeah, it's good for my kids as well. You no, know, they get to have an insight to that life and and um and the athletes and they love that. They they get a lot out of that as well, so yeah.
1: I think um just before we wrap up, Shannon, cuz I got one more question, Tani, that I want to bug, bug you with before I let you go. Um post swimming life and you sort of touched on it before. Robbie. Yeah? Yeah, can you hear me?
2: I can hear you. I think Shannon's lost you a little bit. What's he done? Shannon, can you hear me? I can now.
1: Tani froze.
2: <laughs> I hope it was a good freeze, Frank. It was, not be. usually is.
1: Oh, how good I is That was all right. That? Um, yeah, no, quickly, my last one, Tani, before we, we let you go, um, is, yeah, we touched on it before, post-swimming life, and you sort of already had a, a rough idea of where you wanted to get to, you know, post-swimming, um, which, you know, seems easier said than done it seems like you've really gone the right way about that and set yourself up and and for that you seem a lot more you know well balanced and able to handle that post-swimming life have you heard or seen obviously swimming mates who maybe didn't make that transition as easy you don't have to name them but you can sort of you know give that those examples and and how much you know in terms of giving uh, advice for any young swimmers listening or swimmers that may be nearing retirement um, you know how much sort of would you put on making sure you are shoring up where you're going and not putting all your eggs in that basket
2: yeah I mean absolutely I think it's it's challenging even when you have all your ducks in a line and have a plan for after sport because you know you're losing this whole community and identity that you have aligned with for so so long so I think I was really fortunate in that I I got married. I was ready to to you know start a family. I had a had a degree and ready to start a career. It was my own decision and choice to leave the sport. I wasn't forced to walk away because of injury or you know not making teams. And um, so there were all things that were 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 good in my circumstances and it was still challenging. It was still a shift. Um, But I think you just have to have a really good grounding of people around you and I think I've always had been fortunate to have that with my family and um, and just some real perspective. I don't think I was ever chasing dollars or fame or um, anything from the sport. It was always quite um, internal for me what I wanted to achieve Um, and so there was no misconceptions about that for me after finishing swimming Um, but I I certainly think it's important to think about um, and I still love swimming I still love getting in the water and it's my happy place to go I enjoy watching you know the young ones come through and enjoy talking about it and Um, reminiscing and connecting with um, the friends that I've made over the years but I think um, yeah it's really important to think about what you're going to do for the rest of your life because there's a long life after swimming so you have to be able to um, plan for that and and think about that it's not all just about swimming And, and just having that balance like we talked about even while you're training and having friends outside of the sport and having um, uni or something to focus on um, away from the sport as well does make you a better athlete when you stand behind the blocks for sure.
1: Yeah. It's great advice, mate. We we definitely hear a lot more these days because I, I get with off the blocks, I get to talk to a lot of the athletes on the team and I do hear a, a mixture. There's a lot of people that do have outside things going on at the moment and you know, they've got social media stuff and they're getting endorsements and they're You know, some of them are going into real estate and they're really keeping an open mind and then there's some that were like, no, I'm a swimmer and everything Mm -hmm. is in swimming and, you know, they're still becoming successful so you can't sort of um, hold them accountable for that either. It's just everyone's on their own journeys. I'm interested, you mentioned just though, you know, even though you had your ducks in a row, it still wasn't easy. What was the struggle with it? Was it, you know, now all of a sudden I'm not an athlete? What am I? Because you hear that a lot, say, with rugby league players, all of a sudden what am I? I'm not a rugby league player. Who am I? They're sort of, that was who they were. What, does that, yeah. Did you go through something like that?
2: Yeah, a little bit because it, it is who you are too. It's, it's what people talk to you about. It's what people connect with who you are. And even if it's not who you are as a person, it is what people see you as and even what you see yourself as. Um, so that's a shift. And I think, you know, there has there is a little bit of a disconnection from the wider community of the sport once you you leave, like once you're out, you're out. And I think that can be a little bit disheartening for people. Um, and I don't know if that's changed now, but I think, again, for me, I was just in a place where I was fortunate that I was ready for that next stage of my life. And I had friends outside of the sport and I had, you know, a wider social group and, you um, And I think it's also just making the most of opportunities. I think, you know, talking about when I moved to the AIS, that was an opportunity for me that I was able to study, that I was able to prolong my my career in the sport. So I think I would also say to people that are, you know, getting endorsements or um, looking at career options that they might not have access to if they weren't involved in their sport, just to take up those opportunities and, and run with them because they're not always there forever. So you've no. got an opportunity to study or to get a job because someone's going to support you to work and train. Go for it. Do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I used to bang on about making the most of the opportunities all the time. But, yeah. You no. Know, the more often you're ready, the, the more medals you'll more more times you'll perform well. And it's something I say to my son, you know, with him finishing year 12, you know, and just take the opportunity and take the work experience and don't give up that job, you know, try and juggle the two or three that he's got because one will lead somewhere and, you know.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, you keep training. Someone gets injured and pulls off a team. You get an opportunity to step up. They're all stepping stones and opportunities to, you know, to improve and growth and another experience. So, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Well said.
2: All right. Thanks very much, Tani, for giving
0: us your time.
2: Say good the kids and
0: Ben. Uh, Hopefully, I'll.
2: We're
0: coming up to Brizzy in December. So,
2: yeah. Borders are open. Come on up (laughs) to the Sunshine State. yeah, it's been lovely chatting to you and you reminiscing. I'm so focused on, um, you know, my life right now, which is busy, that you don't often stop and think about, um, you know, that time and reflect on it. So it's really nice to do that and and to share and talk about those experiences.
1: Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, it's yeah. great. Yeah, no, we enjoy having you on too, Tani. And it's, it's something you, you sort of touched on it before that even though you're when you retire you're still within the swimming community but outside of that you are kind of sort of forgotten about and it's one of the main things with off the blocks uh, that i wanted to bring back is that sort of nostalgia and and you know i'm a coach too and i still remember you know saying i spoke to susie o'neill today and my swimmer saying who's that and I, I nearly yes. flipped my lid like how do you not know like i was getting anxious sitting there getting ready to talk to susie o'neill and the kids are like "Is susie um, yeah. and, and I sort of made it a point with Off the Blocks that, yes, we're going to talk to the younger swimmers coming through and, um, you know, your Kyle Chalmers and your Emma McKeans, but I, I do want to make sure we're, we're still giving um, that light to you guys, you know, who paved the way and, you know, just even this conversation, Shannon with Tani, you know, the great story that you've got to tell. Um, swimmers can learn stuff from that so you know i want to thank you very much for coming on and and sharing that and sharing some great stories uh that you and shannon uh got to got to experience along your careers and um mate you know hopefully you keep uh listening to the shannon rollison podcast too because there's some great have you listened to any you don't you can you don't have to yes. lie
2: no no i absolutely <laughs> have yeah no they've been great and um yeah i i love listening to shannon talk and he's his take on things and um, his perspective, which which has always been a little bit unique. And, um, yeah, so it's still, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah, it's, well, it's enjoyable Thanks, for me. Yeah, I get to sit here and make notes. I was already writing some notes down before, and so I, I really enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much for, for joining us this week. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for joining us for another week. Uh, make sure you stick around with us next week. I think Shannon and I, we're going to talk, the 2011 world champ shannon from shanghai i think we've got special guest brand best coming on to give us some stories there as well and then we're going to do tiny you've got to make sure you get involved with this we're going to do an ask shannon anything episode so make I'm sure you act. shoot through those questions anything Absolutely. it is literally anything you can ask him about lawn because he he's learning about that now you can ask about cars muhammad we ali about the lawn. no we didn't do you want to before we go
0: No,
1: I think we'll we'll wait till next week. Uh, Shannon's way of saying, guys, that uh, not much improvement. uh, And, yeah, he's just waiting for the photo to look better next week. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting plenty of rain, so it's got to get better. (laughs) That's it. That's it. All right, guys, thank you very much. And until next week, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.